UX Podcast Episode 160. When the smileys started coming about, I was against I really didn't like them. The, the way you could use words in a clever way to form meaning, they were lost by the increasing use of smileys because people started to expect a smiley to signal sarcasm. You're listening to UX Podcast, coming to you from Stockholm, Sweden. We are your hosts, Pat Axbom. And James Roy Lawson. With listeners in 168 countries from East Timor to Guadeloupe. You wouldn't believe the amount of discussions and arguments we have about the pronunciation of these country names when we're choosing them. We spent like 30 minutes just researching. Well, I wanted to say Guadalupe because it just sounds more fun. And I want to say Guadalupe. Yeah, and you were correct. But I found someone saying Guadalupe. Which, which led us to the conversation about how everything is right on the internet. There's always, if you search far enough, far yeah. enough and deep enough, long enough, you will find an article that agrees with you. Exactly. So, mm. so everybody's just right. We're all, all the time. right all the time. Mm. <clears throat> um, today, we have a link show for you. Now, um, for those of you that don't know, a link show is when Per and I um, talk about, we discuss three articles that we've found recently during our digital travels. Oh. I love that you have used the phrase digital travels since the start of the show. <laughs> since when we started doing these, these link shows, yeah. Um, well, well we, we get them, we collect, we collect links from all different sources. Mm. So it no. kind of feels right to me to say digital travels. We're I'm surprised I haven't regions. registered digitaltravels.com yet. It, it will already exist. <laughs> um, so the, um, the three articles that we have for you today are um, emojis, Tools for emotions communicating effect in text messages. Um, that, and that's affect and not effect. Yep. With, um, that's, that's by um, Monica Riordan. Then John Seto. Yeah. Why your design team should hire a writer. Mm-hmm. And the third article is long-term hidden text experiment. Sounds very mysterious. Um, by Shai Ahoney. How do you say that, Pear? I'd say Shay Aharoni yeah, or Shay Aharoni. And I'm sure if we search, we can find that one of us is right. Yes, exactly. Um, which is actually a, an article about, um, it's an experiment with, with how pages are interpreted by Google. Yeah. So all these articles uh, have to do with words, text, language in some way. That's right, they do. That's an unplanned link, actually. <laughs> Monica Riordan. She's um, a PhD professor um, and has, has recently um, written and released a, a, um, a paper um, entitled Emojis as Tools for Emotion Work, Communicating Effect in Text Messages. Mm. It's a full title for the, the, the paper. Um, but the, the article that we're going to talk about um, is Emojis, Tools for Emotions, um, which was... Um, um, a summary article um, that Monica wrote on Psychology Today. Yeah, sort of a, even just a teaser of, of the type of content that she has in the report, I guess. Or yeah, it's a promotional reason. piece, I guess. Yeah. But, um, but it gives you a good taste of what the paper's about. And, and I, when I, I stumbled, I didn't stumble across this article first. I stumbled across another article first, but mm. we're not using that as a link because it's got loads of annoying adverts on it. And, and a paywall. Paywall and, and other kinds of nonsense that you have to click out the way when you're halfway reading it. So, so... <laughs> Well, no, I'm not going to encourage that kind of behaviour, so I'm not linking to it. But if you search for if you search for this paper, you will find a whole load of articles, and, yeah. and some of them take slightly different angles on this topic. Um, but we'll we'll go with with what she um, 
talks about in her. She is, after all, the author. She's the one that's done the study (laughs) and supposedly knows all about this kind of thing. So we'll we'll dive into that. Now, um, the premise of this is that um, you know emojis themselves are not truly a language. Um, They don't. There's no grammar. There's no linguistic rules and so on about them. but um, they're 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 used regularly in communication, uh, in connection with mm. our more formal language and, mm. and grammar and and um, all sorts of rules that we, we we engage with. What Monica basically says is the interpretation mm. of the emoji isn't something that's standard. Yeah, it's actually entirely um, in the mind of the receiver of the communication. It also depends on the context. Exactly. Mm. So the receiver and the context. Mm. Um, so you can you can use the same emoji mm. in two different contexts, mm. and they have very different meanings. You can also use the same emoji mm. um, with two different people, and they will have two very very different yeah. meanings on the two different people or tif- two different groups of people. Mm. The example, one example she gives there is that you know there she says um, to her husband, it's an exchange between her and her husband, um, I'm so stressed out right now. Mm. And the husband replies back with just a red love heart. Right. So and that, and that means, that has, a, that has a has an extra layer of meaning to it because mm. it's between husband and wife and, and you know, the, the, the text that um, Monica sent is, I'm just so stressed out right now. There is, there is no, no um, emoji or anything at the end of that mm. sentence. Which is something else she goes into further on in all in one of the articles I've read talks about how um lack of emoji makes things look more angry and more serious. Yeah, exactly. Um which which I actually think I mean if years go if you go back go back decades mm. to when smiley started to appear. Mm. I remember it was probably around the mid nineties mm. that people started to um, to use some kind of smileys, or at least we used to use things that were like brackets with with various things in like grin. We used to do brackets and G for grin, and BG for big grin, and VBG for very big grin. So there's a few of oh these. Oh yeah, the first ones. Yeah, oh yeah. they weren't really smileys. They were they were kind of combinations of letters in a way that let you know they were they were emotions. And then you really had to be a geek to even understand oh them yeah. and comprehend them and interpret them and yeah. for them to and actually... The whole LOL, Laugh Out Loud came from that kind of era yeah. as well. Um, but but I remember back then being... some of the, When the Smiley started coming about, I, I was against I really didn't like them <coughs> because there was no... Mainly because there was no um, word... Connect, there was no definition attached. There was no real meaning mm. behind them. So, mm. so the, I saw them as um, removing the nuance so the sarcasm and the kind of the the way you could mm. use words in a clever way mm. to form to form meaning mm. you know sarcasm and so on they were lost by the increasing use of smileys mm. because people started to expect a smiley mm. to signal that it was sarcasm or at least not as serious maybe you're yeah. not as angry as perhaps yeah. you would come across without the smiley and then you would have to if without the smiley for you to not show it to be as angry, then you would actually have to use language. Yeah. And people are ignoring the language and becoming worse at writing. Yeah. And, that, and mm. this is kind of what mm. Monica, mm. one of the things that she talks about is that, um, as I just said in the example, mm. her original text there, I'm so stressed out right now, doesn't have an emoji. Mm. So you interpret that, at least the husband would interpret that, as being serious. Mm. Um, I think further on in the article, she does actually give the example about I need more sleep. Mm. And she shows the difference between I need more sleep mm. and I need more sleep and the ZZZ emoji. Yeah. 
and how there's a much lighter tone or it's received the receiver of the communication mm-hmm. receives that as being less serious because of the ZZZ. Mm-hmm. And this or, is what, or at least less, the, at least less negative. So less negative, yeah. There's a more positive connotation involved yeah. when you add the emoji. Yeah. Uh, which is also one of our conclusions it seems that uh, when you add the emoji the message becomes more positive. Yeah, so almost whatever joy. emoji you use. <laughs> yeah. There was also I mean but I think I think there's a there's a, an important point there is the fact that we're becoming we're getting to that point very very rapidly mm. where um, uh, emojis are expected. Mm. And if you don't put the emojis in, your the the interpretation of the seriousness of your communication is much much higher. No, exactly. That's when I message with my wife, I mean if I don't mm. add the heart or or kisses or anything. Yeah. She's going to assume that I'm mad at her. So, <laughs> so despite the fact that yeah. um, emojis are not formal language, yeah. they're, they're becoming a, a structural element mm. of language mm. that is essential, mm. even though it's not formal. But the, 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 structural, yeah. the structural connection mm. is formal. Exactly, um, and it's extremely important socially. It's not taught in schools. Yeah. It's something you, you learn elsewhere. Mm. But of course, I mean, there are social frameworks and there's, I mean, different cultural... Uh, ways to interpret different icons, I guess, because they can. Uh, the heart is a good example because it means sort of the same for a lot of people. It has to do with love and liking something. Yeah. But then there are so many emojis, and and different groups probably adopt these emojis to mean different things. Mm. Uh, I know that the peach uh, emoji, I know, is looks like a naked bottom. Yeah, yeah. So people yeah. use it for, for the, the, those types of things. Uh, if you want to communicate free speech. You can actually use the snow icon for freeze and uh, peach, so freeze speech. Yeah, <laughs> but still, but the, the examples you mm. give in there though mm. are still um, kind of mapping them to Two specific meaning. Yeah, exactly. Whereas mm. w- one of the points mm. that Monica's making mm. here is that these are used um, to to convey effect. So so they're not. It's not necessarily the 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 definition, or there isn't necessarily a definition okay, itself. Exactly. The unicorn example is one of them. Mm. That you um, that she has an example of a unicorn. That there's no language connection between mm. that. It's kind of almost like a random mm. um, emoji to to any reply. Mm. But in a group of people, it has a certain meaning. Mm. Meaning, I think it was kind of um, a mess up or something's yeah. gone wrong, um, and um, this conveys effect. So so in the sense that you by s- replying with certain emojis. And maybe when it takes time to choose three or four, that the receiver is aware of the fact mm. it took you time and consideration to choose four specific emojis mm. for your reply, which fulfills your job as a good friend. So, so, so what you've conveyed mm. is not uh, is not a sentence. You've mm. not delivered words. Mm. You've delivered a um, an, an emotive. You, you've you've done what you should. As a, as a, you know, there's an emotional mm. package that comes mm. with that. Um, uh, an expectation and in some kind of thing delivered, right. but it's beyond. It's actually beyond words in that sense. It is absolutely. It's beyond words. It's it's all about emotion and it's a way of communicating efficiently, but also losing aspects of it, like you were talking about in the beginning there. Mm. But is this a reflection of how we've evolved as human beings? And in, in that every day now we have all of these short bursts of communication that we didn't have like twenty years ago. You wouldn't call. Uh, someone up just to say I'm having a bad day no. on the phone no. before now you can send that text and people are in a meeting and they have to respond and what am I going to respond with I'm going to respond with an emoji imagine imagine mm. kind of like it's 1978 mm. and you've taken a picture um, of a of a um, of an apple in your garden <laughs> and you've taken the film to the 
um, the developers mm. you've got the film back mm. you've taken the picture out mm. of that you've put it in an envelope put your friend's address mm. on the front of it put it in the post mm. and they get it three days later and they open it up and there's just a picture of an apple with no words no text or anything <laughs> But this is, I mean, we yeah. won the quotes in one of the articles. Are, the, the article that I'm not sharing with you because it's got too many adverts. It says, um, <coughs> emoticons and emoji are changing the way we communicate faster than linguists can keep up with. Mm. Or lexicographers can regulate. Yeah, exactly. So and, it, and it's impossible to regulate because also because there are these niche groups. Mm. Uh, age groups, uh, topical groups, uh, mm. with groups with different interests. I mean, you can't control language in that way. And it goes so fast. Mm. You can have, mm. uh, depending on, well, when things spread, mm. a certain emoji can mm. be adopted very, very rapidly in response to something. Mm. And it can be past its sell-by date within hours. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> or, or even mm. you know, days. Um, but um, but the, the question I think maybe a lot of people are, are wondering when they're listening, how how can we use emojis as part of our works as designers? Mm. I mean, when there's, there are articles out there about um, how, especially with social media, um, how brands mm. should and shouldn't use emojis mm. um, because of the way they're interpreted mm. or what the meaning they convey or mm. the signals it sends. Mm. I, th I think there there is definitely scope here for how we can and should, if not using emojis in our designs, but enabling them. And exactly allowing our users to use them. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's them we're designing for, so it's them that should be actually uh, starting to use them. Mm. Um, spontaneously, I mean, I, I do some work with... Um, uh, one of the things I, I work with is um, uh, customer service chat, um, and um, and I'm, I'm lobbying to mm. to to have um, emojis as part mm. of of that, so customer service can mm. reply to emojis. But I know there's a lot of kickback from the organisation themselves because, mm. like for example, banks mm. they're not allowed to use emojis yeah. because it's seen as too it's not serious enough. So there's a whole brand proposition exactly. thing and, there. And I also, uh, when we're on the topic, I ha always have to play the accessibility card because there are people who can be offended mm. and not understand their cognitive disabilities. There are so many issues with emojis that uh, can mm. go wrong. So it's better if you allow other people to initiate with emojis, then you can continue. So yeah. it's like adapting to the language that the, peop the person you're talking to is using. Yeah. So mm. that means mm. maybe another good example mm. is when you've got, if you have a contact form mm. on your website or in your yeah. app and something, enabling i mean okay on apps and mm. phones they probably mm. have some emojis you can use from the, the telephones mm. keypad but on a website maybe maybe allowing emojis to be used as part of that communication yeah could even be, encouraging um, it yeah could be useful yeah why your design team should hire a writer uh this is a post by john sato uh from dropbox and he was actually on our last link show as well, I realized yeah. when 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 I when I saw his name, episode one hundred and fifty three. So obviously, obviously, John puts out some really good content because <laughs> it it sticks with me. Uh, and this is an article arguing uh, all the reasons why you should consider hiring a dedicated writer on your design team. Uh, and the reason this appealed to me, uh, we we've, we've talked a lot about uh, about writing and how important it is. Before we talked about microcopy, mm. and we've even had a link show episode fifty about words. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of um, lot of articles in that one about mm. words. I I like this because it's it's telling us that we're not paying enough attention to how much you can do with words. I mean, as UXers, we are aware of the fact uh, that words matter. But I rarely see, like, as the definition of done, or uh, when you're testing, that you also go through the the, the wording of, of of stuff to actually make sure that yes, 
the tone and voice of this screen that we're building mm -hmm. came across the way we wanted it to. When you say testing, mm -hmm. I mean, of course, you have mm -hmm. the kind of post-launch testing with A-B testing and so on, which is almost entirely word-based. Oh, that's, um, yeah, exactly. That's really interesting. I mean, there's, there's very mm -hmm. much word mm -hmm. in that sense, but, but early, I agree, earlier mm -hmm. on in the process... Mm -hmm. Um, but that's interesting in itself because A-B testing then focuses on conversion usually. Mm. What words do... But this, um, what John is talking about is more of what feelings do we want to convey? Yes. How do you want person uh, that person to respond emotionally mm. to what we're saying? And this is what writers are really good at. Uh, and as he is saying writers are designers, he has a table uh, of comparing different uh, nomenclature or w different words for different things in these different types of professions, writers versus designers. And this this uh, table actually made me laugh a couple of times. Mm. Cause, and so writers call something introduction. That's what we call as designers onboarding. Mm. Um, what they call the rough draft, we call the mock. Mm. Uh, protagonist, user, uh, obviously. But even something, uh, we talk about iterating. Oh, iterating is so important. Well, writers have been doing this for thousands of years. It's called editing. Yeah. Someone writes... <laughs> A manuscript and somebody else helps edit of it. Course. It's called iterating. So oh. they've been doing working this way for so many years. We're just not connected with each other because we're, no, we're not using the same words. Yeah. But if we realize that we actually are working in the exact same manner, you'd realize that yes, the way a writer comes into a team would seem pretty natural. Mm. Actually, I think you know, I mean, a lot of these creative, um, uh, creative people uh, is very similar. I think your example the other day, you were telling me about your, your the builders that are doing work at your summer place. Yes. And they're also creatives. Exactly. And they were doing things that were very much experienced. Yeah, design. I came out to the summer house, and these uh, builders are actually staying at the summer house. I, I employed them to, to paint the house and fix the roof. Uh, what they were doing is was mowing the lawn and, <laughs> and, and, and cutting bushes. And I realized, oh, my God. And th this was not something they were going to charge for. It was them saying that we wanted to leave the place in as good-looking uh, version of itself as possible. Mm. So they did all these other things. Uh, aside from the painting job that they were hired to do. So that experience for me <laughs> as as their customer was just amazing. Mm. Uh, and I was just walking around with a big smile on my face, my, my face all day. Mm. So yes, that's experience design. Mm. And you realize that yes, experience design exists everywhere. And yeah. we're not we're not by any, any way uh, inventor, inventors of it. No. Uh, it's been done for many, many thousands of years. Uh, even like emojis like that we were talking about, the, the, the hieroglyphs of the Egyptians. The yes, of cave paintings. Conveying emotions. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's not, nothing new really what we're doing mm -hmm. at all. And it's nice when we look at other professions to see what they can contrib contribute. But it, it's I, I see the challenge in this, of course. He, he gives examples of, of companies that are doing this. They're employing full-time writers on their teams. Mm. Uh, but in, for many of us, we're working on teams where there are like 10 developers and one UXer. Yeah. And at that point, bringing in a, a dedicated writer is really difficult. Oh, well, you you mm. get the question as mm. you, I mean, mm. you as a UXer get mm. asked. You know, what should go? What should? What writing mm. should we put on this mm. page? Mm. How should we explain um, this function? Exactly. What, sh what should be that title text or mm. tooltip text? There's, there's all little bits of right. copy that come in. And, and sort of, and of course, as a UXer, you have ideas and notions about what what would work. Mm. But a writer would be so much better at it. God, yeah. So I, w I would actually recommend more, more teams to bring in writers during different phases of, of product, product development or to review mm. stuff uh, in a coherent way. Interesting. Mm. I mean, one mm. thing that I notice happening here 
is I'll get questions about the English translation of things. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, of course, if I'm working on something that's going to be mm. multi-language, mm. It, it often starts off being Swedish and mm. then it gets mm. made English, mm. for one example, as, as a first step mm. towards internationalization. So I'll be, I'll be, if I'm working on that project, then I'm the first person that gets asked, I mean, how mm. do you write, how do you say this in English, James? Right. Because I'm the only English mm. native speaker in the team. Mm. Um, but I'm not a writer. Exactly. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm delivering, mm. but I'm not the optimal person mm. to do it. Yeah. So what then I'm seeing in some of the ones is that, if the if the language strings or whatever you you package it as are then sent off for translation, mm. maybe the the Norwegian ones are coming back better because they've had a professional yes. language. Someone yeah. working, yeah. So a professional yeah. writer, professional mm. translator, mm. has been working with the English and Swedish mm. as the source. Mm. And then producing a third language from them mm. and and then guidelines and instructions about how they do it. Mm. So they are following, they are real mm. writers and getting a proper job to do it. So some of these other ones, if they've got the context right, there is a risk that they miss the context because mm. they're doing translations exactly. rather than working mm. embedded. Yeah. But but as far as the words go, they mm. can be quite good. Mm. Yeah, true. Challenges of international mm. words as well. Yeah. But it also brings attention for me to the fact that we should be starting with words more often than adding them after the fact. Mm. Uh, and this is something I, I argue for a lot, but I rarely get to do it in projects because people bring out the signs before they bring out the words. Mm. And actually this for me relates to, to our emoji uh, article as well in that uh, the emojis can support language uh, or vice versa, but they work together in unison. But uh, the way we work today in design, usually the words are added after. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I think that the reason for that mm. is primarily that um, um, the words are not emotionally exciting, whereas visual design is. Yeah. You, if you present, if you present a mm. hundred pages of web copy mm. to a to a to a group of people mm. and say, "Look how fantastically sculpted mm. our <laughs> website is," you you, you know you dump yeah. ten thousand words yeah. on their lap, you're not going to get mm. anything other than mm. kind of like response. You show them a mock-up of of a hundred web pages, you know, designed and pretty, and, and mm. just lower them ipsum, heaven mm. forbid. Mm. They're going to be, oh, this is fantastic. This yeah. is so much better than our current one. Mm. So the emotional response from visual design mm. is 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 important, an important part of the journey. So even though we we say yes, you should start with words, mm. you're not going to get that that emotional enthusiasm going. Now, now, I'm, now I'm thinking challenge accepted. I, yeah, I, I, I would love to. I, I would love to find a way to to actually use words in, in the way that you're saying now, mm. because have screenshots with like sentences, just a sentence or two, and all. Because I know that sen- people love to share quotes. Oh, f- I mean, this there are copy, absolutely. I can there, see. There, there are ways. There, yeah. there are ways to actually engage people emotionally with ju- with just words, and just having that as an example. At early on in a project, I think that would make a huge difference to the acceptance of Agreed. spending time on it. But what we're saying mm-hmm. here now mm-hmm. is not is not creating because I mean mm-hmm. we've we've advocated previously you should have you know content first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you do the content first before mm-hmm. mobile first before yeah. Oliver first. We've mm-hmm. done that a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we've just kind of iterated mm-hmm. as a as an idea now mm-hmm. is that you'd make um, delightful content mm-hmm. first. Yeah to maintain mm. um you know the enthusiasm mm. and interest before going on to graphical that's true um, design yeah um before then going on to real content mm. um design mm. because it's so important to have engagement engagement and consensus in the team and that is challenging and interesting mm.
our third um, article for today's link shot is um, long-term hidden text experiment, which is um, is written by um, I'm gonna well we're gonna say shy. Um, and the surname we're going to go for um, Aharoni. Aharoni. Uh, traditionally, over a long period of time, something of interest for in the SEO community mm. has been hiding text or kind of hiding text from users, mm. but showing it to Google. So the old the old um, school thing was how you'd you'd have white text and a white background. Yes. You'd do keyword stuffing, so there'd be mm. huge footers on on web pages in mm. like 1998 um, with like 200 keywords, mm. variations of keywords to kind of trick search engines mm. into indexing a ranking page. Highly. Mm. Um, of course, the world's very, very different now. But it's an issue that it's a topic that I've always has always interested um, the SEO community. You know, what what can you do? What what text can be invisible? Mm. And how does it impact your ranking? Yeah. How can you beat other people in uh, well your competitors? Yeah. Um, and and yeah. or you know and how without impacting the user and, and Google. Um, Google has been trying, is constantly trying to render web pages in the same way as they would be in the browser mm. and would be consumed by a human. And the um, reason for that, of course, being to counter all these yeah. these people trying to yeah, yeah. manipulate Google. So, so, for example, Google now, if, if they notice that there's, a, there's um, an overlay mm. on the website pretty much as soon as you arrive on the site, mm. advertising something or to mm. encourage you to install an app, mm. Then um, the um, well, intermodal, I think they call them. The um, you get a low ranking, yeah, because you're, it you're lowers, penalized. Yeah. You lower, it lowers mm. the user experience. Mm. Um, but um, in, in, in the article here, um, one thing that kind of made me smile, uh, Shai says here, um, that SEOs were always um, really important, and text was seen as ne- as a necessity by SEOs because they mm. needed to get pages to rank, and it was mm. text that caused text and phrases mm. that caused pages to rank, mm. and then I quote you: text uh, was always seen as a hindrance from the web designer's perspective, something that should be reduced to the bare minimum, so mm. not to spoil the visual experience of the site in question. Mm. Which um, which made me laugh and made me smile because it, it it throws me back to the early days of web design, mm. where where yeah I mean I can I can relate to this when we had the the yeah. the the first art directors I was working with they'd come from a from a printed media background a traditional um, art design background, and they were I mean some of these long form texts were a bit tough for them to deal with and you know the, they w- didn't want long titles and they wanted mm. concise boxes of text mm. with a read more and so on I, I can see where this came from i don't relate to this one as much nowadays no i don't think so. no, exactly and i think it's more like a misunderstanding yeah because you want the visual because you want to create the full experience for the user yeah. whereas the seo people back then at least were only concerned with the words yeah really <laughs> but but what i'd say instead of this particular angle of, of mm. saying um oh, that web design is seen as a hindrance mm. i think what, what what we're noticing what i'm noticing an awful lot now um are the use of um click to continue mm-hmm. uh, mashable are one of the many sites that are doing this now so if you read the article on your mobile you get basically a couple of paragraphs of mm. text and you can't scroll anymore you don't scroll through the article. Mm. The, the, it's locked to the first kind of page of, mm. of um, a screenful mm. of, of content or nearing a screenful. And then you have to click for it to reveal the rest of the article. Yeah. Now, as far as I've worked out from, from analyzing what they're doing mm. and what people have said to me, this is for tracking. They want to track engagement. They want to know that you've actually bothered to, to read the bit and then you're, you're interested enough to mm. click again to read the rest of it. So, so, from a, so your value to them is higher. Also, what you said there, you can't scroll anymore. That's not always true because sometimes you can keep scrolling and there are ads below the article 
Those are not hidden. You I, you're right. Sorry, I meant yeah. you can't you can't scroll through the content yeah. unhindered. You so have I, to click first before see, revealing the rest of the content. Uh, so I'm thinking it's also money driven because you show more ads and you encourage people. Where where's the article? Where's the article? So you well, co- yeah, you well, click again, you see more ads. Absolutely, it's mm. money driven because yeah. that's it. Mm. engagement is. You want more engagement, yeah. so you you they want more mm. more engaged users and and more valuable users. Yeah. So someone who's gone to that page, tried to scroll, clicked on the button, and then scrolled and read the article mm. are going to be more. Exactly. Valuable. But the thing is, sometimes I even have trouble finding that button to read more. I can't I just even see it. thoroughly <laughs> irritated by yeah. it because I'm, 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 go- I'm scrolling yeah. and it actually takes a moment, mm. especially my tablet, mm. little tablet I've got, mm. it takes me a moment to mm. realize what's, got, uh, what's gone wrong. At yeah. first, it feels like the page has stopped loading yeah. and it's broken in mm. some way. Mm. Um, but anyway, so that was more of, kind mm. of I'm thinking, right, this article... Mm. Um, which we haven't even mentioned what it's about really properly, um, does an experiment into how does Google really yes. treat all these different ways of hiding text, such as click to continue. Um, what's the real impact? You know, do, Does your page vanish like a stone mm. in Google as a result of this trickery? Yes. And it's, it's, a, it's a very nerdy and very good... Because what, what people tend to do is that for Google... If Google visits the Google bot, mm. then they say we show the full article. So they try One of the tricks. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, mm. But this 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 is very it's a very geeky, very mm. very mm. good experiment. Mm. This one with um, and the the article properly lays out um, um, the the different variations. You know when you've got um, um, homepage text, um, they bought like a several different domains mm. and put up content on these different domains. It's an amazing experiment. Uh, you, need, you need to read the article. Yeah, they took six yeah. months to perform. Yeah. They've got homepage text that mm. was completely visible. They tried hiding um, the the text with CSS. They tried hiding it with JavaScript, mm. and then they used a, a very kind of an outdated method mm. with a text area. Um, so they tried these four variations. They had different content. They had keywords on them um, that was prior to the test mm. not found in Google. So they could they could do a controlled measure mm. because their pages were the only ones at the point of the test that existed in the in the on the internet yeah. according to Google. Um, but so, so fascinatingly designed experiment yes. and the amount of time and, mm. and precision that's gone into mm. it and. The result, really, really interesting, mm. that if you are hiding, like Mashable, mm. content with the kind of read more click, mm. it was so much less, well, so much lower ranked yeah. in Google. There was this like four, the, the four experiments mm. are shown on a graph. And um, I think it was, it was like 10 or more positions on average um, difference in the rankings mm. for these websites. So, so, the, so yes, you are penalized. You are penalized. Yeah. To, you're basically yeah. pushed to the second or even mm. third page of mm. Google's results by mm. hiding your content mm. um, with um, CSS mm. or JavaScript mm. compared to making it fully visible exactly. from the start. So if you see big sites doing this, you have to remember what you may be uh, suffering from if you, if you try to copy them. Because uh, big sites, of course, will be at the top of Google anyway because so many other sites link to them so they won't see the effects depends on the competitiveness of the yeah. keywords but they won't see the effects of this in the same way that uh, mm. a smaller site may if they start implementing this uh, and are penalized straight away for not showing the full content mm. when you enter the, enter the website my thinking is that I mean, a lot mm. of us out there are going to be we're going to be put in a situation where um, um, an organization mm. is putting pressure on us to 
or even SEO people, somebody mm. or someone else, maybe the organization mm. is trying to mm. do something like Mashable with mm. a, a click to continue. Mm. And may, we maybe want to fight back because mm. we don't think it's good user experience. Mm. Maybe this is part mm. of the, the package of reasons you can give mm. for, for fighting back. And, I, and so I mean, I've heard designers express this as well. They say they, want, they don't want the page to seem overwhelming when you come in and see mm. it. And oh, yeah, that so, so, they, so they mm. sort of want to, I don't know, hide some of, the, some of the text just to make it seem like it's not as heavy. Well, as, we have as the one-page websites. Yeah, the implication mm, for mm, this mm. is that one-page websites are not going to rank as high as um, as, as multi-page websites. Google, from this experiment, mm. is penalising mm. um, collapsed text mm. um, on those websites. Exactly, well, yeah. and some well, FAQ pages and so on are, are they, uh, they, mm. they 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 collapse the text. Mm. So one-page websites don't always collapse it; they they make them long. But um, but sometimes it's mm. collapsed as well. But also, I mean, the further down your content is on a web page, uh, the less it is used for ranking purposes. It yeah. has a weaker, as the way I've heard it, in the years. It yeah. will have mm. probably a weaker mm. impact. But yeah. again, it depends on how you structure the page. Yeah. Um, but um, but no, it, it, you know, it's it's interesting that mm. um, now we're looking at um, how text um, not only impacts the user experience when you're on the page. This is how the the design of how mm. you show your text impacts the user experience, exactly. even at the point of the search engine. Mm. The kind of UX minus one, if you want to see it mm. like that, before you come to your specifically design page, you're already impacting the, yeah. the experience. So what we can say is that Google seems to be doing a really good job of actually seeing the page as people see it yeah. and uh, drawing conclusions from that. Yeah. Uh, the bad thing they would be doing, perhaps, is if there actually is a point for hiding text from a user perspective that makes it more easy to use as well. And it, even then you would be ranked lower. Yeah, I mean, there's, mm -hmm. yeah, but then findability. I mean, you 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 shouldn't be hiding stuff that, that um, reduces the, the overall meaning, the, or the, the overview and the understanding of the meaning of your mm -hmm. page, your content. Sure. So if you're hiding secondary content mm -hmm. that is supportive, mm -hmm. but not primary, then it's probably not gonna affect your ranking anyway. Um, and probably not going to affect the user experience because you're supporting something. But I would sort of argue then at least that most pages, like we've said before, one page should be about one specific topic. Yeah. So we could, we could maybe summarize by saying that um, words are important. Words and emojis are important. Extremely important uh, in a sense you might not imagine or expect. Mm, yeah, in different dimensions mm -hmm. as well. If you aren't already a subscriber to UX Podcast, then please click add or subscribe from wherever you are listening to us right now. Uh, pull over <laughs> first if you're in the car. And dry your hands if you're in the bath. You don't want to get your phone too wet. Um, you can also visit uxpodcast.com and sign up for our backstage email. Um, in our backstage emails, we, we share some extra info about the shows. And we also share the occasional um, uh, discount code or yeah, two. For conferences and books and stuff like that. Yeah. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. Knock, knock. Who's there? Europe. Europe who? No, I'm not. <laughs>